0: You know, this world really offers very little of real happiness. In spite of any material prosperity and affluence that there is, its concentration is on business, sport and pleasure. Surely it's something that we must all think about with what we see going on in the world around us. And when we look at that reading that we just had read, we see in verse 4 the ultimate outcome of the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. It's a time when God will wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And the things we see going on in the world around us are those former things, those things that will be done away, ultimately by the Lord Jesus Christ, as he reigns over this earth, on the behalf of his Father, even God who is in heaven. And ultimately at the time when the Lord Jesus Christ c- concludes his reign and we're told that he will hand the kingdom back to his Father, even God in heaven, that this will be the case. But not only will there be no more sorrow and sighing and death, it will be a time when God will be all and in all, when God's will will be done from one earth end of the earth to the other. I guess you could almost say that that is the ultimate aim of the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ over this earth but if we come back to today we're going to have it give it that god exists and if god exists is it possible to believe that he brought this earth into existence and put man upon it that it should be an everlasting arena of sin of violence and of death as we see it present surely that's not the case so what then is the purpose of god it is to take over ultimately the affairs of man and to fill the earth with his glory as is recorded in Numbers 14 verse 21. And how is this to be brought about? Well, it's to be brought about by the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the setting up of the kingdom of God on the earth and the establishment of a thousand years of peace leading to the grand consummation when God will be all and in all as we have in of Corinthians 15 and verse 29. Your personal salvation is bound up in your attitude to these matters and therefore we earnestly recommend that you consider what the Bible has to say on this matter. You know, it's ironic, isn't it, that the world around us is preparing for the virus that's about to hit, but very few will prepare for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth. A fact that this event definitely points towards the events we're seeing around us. To the time when those words of Revelation 21 verse 4 will be a reality and verse 5 when he sat upon the throne he said Behold I make all things new, a new order of things. Our desire is to create in those who will listen an interest in God's purpose of salvation and nothing else. We desire interest in God's purpose and the Bible and for this reason we present our words this afternoon to those who will listen. In the scriptures we're
1: told that
0: the scriptures have promise of life that now is and that which is to come. So not only do they give us a promise of the time to come, but they also give us a promise of that which is in our life today, that we may live our lives in accordance with the things of almighty God. You see, the Bible tells us that there is an impending divine reign of Christ over this earth. And in Matthew 5 and verse 5, it tells us who will be part of that kingdom. It says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And to investigate these things is a sound investment for the future. You know, we look around the world around us and commercial takeovers are common. At the other end of this, If the Lord Jesus Christ hasn't returned, there'll be many of them. And many gamble on such by investing money in companies that present possibilities or opportunities on the hope of making fortunes. And some make lots and others lose lots. But the Bible presents an opportunity of a sound investment, one that's without risk in a proposition that offers a far greater return of a practical nature. Then the most fortunate speculation can gain today. You know, the values of today's returns in investments is for today, and it's also limited by the ability of those who gain them to be able to use them. Illness, death or something or similar will cut these things short, and they'll get passed to someone else. But the possibilities that the Bible offers is an eternal return, an eternal. Uh, return of life in the kingdom of God. Christ underlined the limitations of the present possessions in the words that all can appreciate. And he put it thus, For what is man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul or his life? For what shall a man give in exchange for his life? What indeed? You know, when man is faced with death, the many thousands that have died with this current vi- virus, man realises that his ability to enjoy that which he has accumulated in life is limited. And in most cases, he'll give up most, almost all of what he has to hold on for a few short years on this earth. But finally, the time comes when man must give them all up and nothing remains. And then we have the truth of the declaration that God made. Psalm 49 verse 20, it says, man that is in honour and understandeth not is like the beast that perish. And in the previous word, he says, he shall go to the generation of his fathers and they shall never see light. So while man might be in honour, while he might be the most famous person there is, he eventually goes to his grave and he returns there and eventually the memory of him is forgotten. You know, that, however, need not be our fate. In fact, it will not be the fate of those who have sought out the saving truths of God's revelation to man and have accepted the way of life revealed therein. On the contrary, Christ taught, he that believeth the gospel and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, verse 16. For he shall be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. In Luke 14 and verse 14. You know, can the statements of the Bible be relied upon? Will the future referred to therein ever come to a concrete reality? Is the Bible practical or is it outdated? A book of morals expressing a religion that's not adequate for the hardened, practical, modern world of today? Actually, look out your doors and you'll see that it is a book for today. It's a book that can give us practical guidance for today. A book that, though written many years ago, was beyond its years in appreciation for what man should do. But ultimately the reader must determine that for himself by his personal research, by looking into those things. And we encourage you to do that as far as the Bible is concerned. And we have no doubt that if you give it an honest and true have an honest and true look at the things therein, you will come to the conclusion. That it is, in fact, a book that guarantees a return for those who are prepared to accept the teaching of Almighty God and live according to his requirements. You know, there's many places we could go to say that what we see in the scriptures is correct. What we see in the scriptures will come to pass. But let's have a look at one, modern Israel. The scriptures tell us that it would be a people, a nation that would never be completely destroyed. Jeremiah 30 verse 11. And how many nations throughout the years have said, we'll wipe them off the face of the earth. We'll have the final solution. And it tells us also that at the time of the end, the people of Israel would return to their ancient homeland to restore the nation of Israel once again. And that's exactly what we we can see today. The nation of Israel in their own land, On the mountains of Israel as God required as I said we could go to many other places to look at the proof of the fact that the Bible can be relied upon the amazing incidents connected with the restoration of these people and the people of Israel vindicates the predictions of the Bible and it demonstrates that it can be relied upon and as I said there's many others You see, the Bible offers a most profitable return to those who are prepared to invest in its pages. And it shows that a divine takeover of this world,
1: of the rule of this world, is impending. The
0: kingdom of God is going to be established on this earth. We find that the scriptures tells us that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And it also tells us that life eternal will be bestowed upon those who have invested in this future through a resurrection from the dead. No proposition, no investment that we can make today can match this one. No investment can reap an equal return to this. The divine takeover, the divine coming reign of Christ on the earth will provide a practical solution to the problems of our humanity. No more sickness and death for one. What does mankind want? Well, it wants relief from the tensions and insecurities of life with all their burdens. It wants a system of rule that will solve the international rivalry that threatens to erupt in war. And don't we see that today? It wants release from the shackles of a system that prevents man enjoying the fruits of his labour. And today it wants a release from the disease that is ravaging this world. The kingdom of God on earth to replace the present man-made rule system of rule will accomplish this, but it will also bring about glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Words that we hear quite often, or the the latter part of that, words that you hear repeated around Christmas time, but they forget the first part. You see, it will set men free to worship God in truth and will so legislate as to cause men to act in such a way as to become a mutual blessing instead of a mutual curse to each other as we have at the present. But we sound a note of caution. Much that is proclaimed as Bible truth by the world around us is not in accord with its actual meaning. One example, the theory of the immortal soul, that on death you go to heaven. On earth and or of on earth being burned up. These are not Bible truths. They result from a mistaken, distorted concept of the certain passages of Scripture that are ruthlessly torn from their context and don't form the general teaching of the Bible. And as we said before, the reader must search out the evidence for himself so that he can ensure that the investment he places in the Bible, in the Scripture, will actually um, give him the return that the Bible requires. Let care be taken in seeking God by searching the Scriptures and a clear conception of what the Bible offers will be obtained. You see, the Bible is more practical and more sure in what it offers than man can ever offer. There is a takeover of man's affairs to come. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes to reign on this earth, that God is going to take over the affairs of men and set up his own control on earth is a basic doctrine revealed in the Bible. It shows clearly that Christ is to personally and visibly return to the earth, firstly, to reward those who invested in the future, in their day of opportunity, by today living in accordance with his teaching. And secondly, to take over the affairs of men and rule to the glory of God and to the well-being of humanity. Consider it the following. In Acts 1 verse 11, we read, This same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. In Hebrews 9 and verse 28, we told that unto them that look for him, look for Christ, shall he appear the second
1: time without sin unto salvation.
0: And in Revelation 22 and verse 12, we're told, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. These references teach that Christ will return to the earth to reward his followers. They demonstrate that man does not go to his reward at death, but must wait to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead to receive it. The Bible declares that no man has ascended into heaven, John 3, verse 13. Not even David, the man after God's own heart, as the Apostle Peter explained in Acts 2, verse 34. But rather the future reward of the righteous is revealed as follows. Christ will reward his followers at his return. we told he will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing Seek for glory and honour, immortality and eternal life. But every man in his own order. We told in First of Corinthians fifteen, Christ the firstfruits, and afterward they that are Christ at His coming. And in Luke fourteen and verse fourteen, Thou shalt, recompense, thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the dust, uh, just. Sorry. And in Revelation eleven and verse eighteen. We read that the time of the dead, that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, to them that fear thy name, small and great. So we're being shown that the followers of Christ will be rewarded at his return when he raises the dead and takes those who are alive to be with him at that time. A resurrection from the dead to eternal life is a dividend that God will pay to those who have soundly invested in the future by redeeming or buying up the time in these days by obeying his will. But the Lord's work will not be limited to that. He comes as well to alter conditions on the earth. He will not tolerate a continuance of the present state of things with sin rampant, God ignored, permissive immorality prevalent, and ruthless violence widespread with his immortalized associates he will effect a complete overhaul of the present rule
1: and introduce sweeping changes
0: the promise he has that that is held is to him that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end i will give power over the nations and he shall rule with a rod of iron those who lay up for that in, for the The coming reign of Christ in this day, that is their reward. We told in Revelation twenty and verse five, and and of Christ and his reign with him with him a thousand years. So those who obtain this promise will reign with Christ for a thousand years. In First Corinthians fifteen and verse twenty-eight, we told that sin and death will finally be eradicated, and a perfect world will be delivered unto God that he might be
1: all and in all. Consider
0: the following references and note the vast changes that are going to come on this earth as a result of the divine reign of Christ on the earth. Daniel 2 verse 44. The God of heaven shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Daniel 7, verse 27. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Zechariah 14, verse 9. We're told that the Lord shall be king over the whole earth. In Matthew 7, uh, sorry, 5, and verse 35, we're told that Jerusalem,
1: Will be the city of the great king.
0: In Isaiah two and verse two to four, we told for out of Zion shall go the law, shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and shall beat their spears in their swords into ploughshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. In First of Corinthians fifteen, verse twenty-five, we're told that he that Christ must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And ultimately, in Numbers fourteen, verse twenty-one, we're told all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, from one end of the earth to the other. God's glory will be seen quite different to what we see today. Vast changes will be brought about on the earth as a result of Christ's impending takeover. They will affect the religious, the political and the social conditions of society. Instead of a multiplicity of antagonistic religious beliefs, divine truth will be elevated to the glory of God. Instead of mutually hostile nations, there will be one universal government centred at Jerusalem. Instead of a permissive society pleasing itself to the gratifying of the flesh and the complete abandonment of righteousness, it will be brought into subjection. It will be brought into subjection to divine laws that will ensure the goodwill and happiness of all instead of violence, crime and corruption. There will be wise restraint and the elevation of the mind to the benefit of all. Mankind will be united in a common common worship to be centred in Jerusalem. In Zechariah 8 and verse 22, we're told that many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. What a change to what we have today, where men would stop people going to worship God there. Associated with, the, with Christ in his future role on earth will be his resurrection and resurrected and glorified followers. They are presented as singing a song to Christ, their Redeemer. In Revelation 5, verse 9 to 10, they sing, For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our gods kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. So those ones who put in the time today to understand the things of Almighty God and live according to that, have a promise of living and reigning with Christ in this kingdom as kings and priests. And they will constitute the aristocracy of the future. They will inherit eternal life and will be granted positions of honour with him in the kingdom he will establish. There is a promise of a a share in this divine rule that will come on the earth, but it's conditional. You see, despite the clear teaching of the Bible, men fail to comprehend the purpose of God relating to the second coming of Christ and the reward reserved for those who seek him. Many fill their minds with fantasies concerning life after death and heaven as the reward of the righteous. And they fail to understand that the inheritance God has offered relates to the earth. The declaration of the Bible is, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth have he given to the children of men. Nowhere throughout the scripture
1: does God promise man
0: an inheritance in in, in heaven, nor does he promise him an immortal soul. The hope that God offers is whatsoever to whosoever will accept it is eternal life through the resurrection of the dead and an everlasting inheritance upon this earth when the, this divine rule is consummated. This is the consistent teaching of the Bible, though religions throughout the world has departed from it. To those who accept the way of salvation proclaimed therein, God offers a personal share in the kingdom that Christ will set up on the earth. Second Peter 1 and verse 4. Wherefore are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye may be partakers of the n- divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is to come, that is in the world through lust, sorry. These promises relate to Abraham to whom Paul explained the gospel was preached as we have in Galatians 3 verse 8. But he further declared that Christ came to confirm the promises made unto the fathers of the nation of, of, the nation of Israel in Romans 15 and verse 8. Well what then do the promises consist that were made? The promises are comprehended in the promise that God made to faithful Abraham. They start in Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. And it was a uh, promise of an everlasting inheritance of the, in, on the earth. And Abraham was told further in Genesis 13 and verse 14 to 15 to look up, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. It was an unconditional promise made to a man of faith, guaranteeing him a future internal inheritance upon the earth. It's a promise that's repeated many times through Scripture, which is confirmed by the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a promise that was carefully kept alive throughout the centuries, Two thousand years after the death of Abraham, at the beginning of the Christian era, Stephen, the first Christian martyr, in defining his beliefs, made reference to it. He told the Jewish accusers in Acts seven verse five that Abraham removed into the land, into this land, Israel, wherein ye now dwell, and God and He that's God gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much to set his foot on yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him. It's obvious, therefore, that if Abraham is to receive this, he must be raised from the dead. Paul, when defending his faith, declared in Acts 26, verse 7 to 8. No, I don't have that there. Now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God unto our fathers unto which promise our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. He said, why should it be thought an incredible thing with you that God should raise the dead? And in Acts 23 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul said, of the hope and resurrection of the dead I am called in question. The promise of an earthly inheritance forever was made to both Abraham and his seed, And the Bible declares that Christ is the seed of Abraham and that Christ's followers are also accounted as such. Galatians 3 verse 29. If ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The consistent hope of the Bible is an invitation to participate in the glory of Christ's reign on earth. We've stated that it will be through a resurrection from the dead. The psalmist in Psalm 71, verse 20 and 21 says, Thou which hast showed me great and sure, sure troubles shall quicken me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. In Proverbs, 20, uh, sorry, Proverbs 2, verse 21 to 22, For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and transgressors shall be rooted out. Such will be the ultimate end of the righteous to inherit the earth and the wicked to be done away with for eternity. Isaiah 26 verse 19. We told thy dead men shall live together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing ye that dwell in dust and the earth shall cast out her dead. And further in Daniel 12 and verse 2, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And it's significant that it's stated as many he as not as all, because the Bible clearly shows that the resurrection will be limited to those who know the will of God and therefore are responsible to his judgments. Others will remain in the earth being described as those who are without hope
1: and without God in the world.
0: From the references quoted from the Bible and scores of others, we can see that the earth is the reward of the faithful, that those who are resurrected and those who are alive at Christ's return will inherit the earth when Christ returns to reign over the earth. You know, in the Lord's prayer, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in uh, Jeremiah, we also told at that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord and all nations shall be gathered unto Jerusalem on the earth. In 2 Timothy uh, Timothy 4, verse 7 to 8, we have the words of the Apostle Paul who says, I have fought a good fight, I have kept my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So the Apostle Paul looked for that day when he would be raised when the Lord Jesus Christ would give him that hope of eternal life on the earth. If you'll turn over to Psalm 37, please, we'll have a quick look at what this psalm says. And if in your own time you read through the entire psalm, you'll see that it's very clear there is two options. There is those who will inherit the earth, or those who will be done away with. Psalm 37 verse 7 to 9, we're told, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, for evil doers shall be cut off, but they that wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. In verse 17 to 18, the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous, their inheritance shall be forever. In verse 22, such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. Verse 27 to 29, Depart from evil and do good. Dwell forevermore, for the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Verse 38 to 39, But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. These express very clearly that the righteous are to be recompensed on the earth at the time when the wicked are severely disciplined. They teach that the inheritance of the righteous is forever and incorporates the everlasting possession of the earth. And this implies the divine takeover of the present control of things, the divine reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth. But it also constitutes an invitation to participate in the benefits that will accrue when Christ reigns over the earth from from
1: Jerusalem. You see, Christ, we are invited
0: to be part of that future. Christ invites people to identify with them, themselves with him now, if they would share in the advantages that will accrue from his impending reign on this earth, his impending takeover of the rule of man. He issued the invitation to do so through the gospel message. To the apostles, the Lord Jesus Christ declared, he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. Acceptance of these conditions constitutes the investment in the future. Belief and baptism, however, must be reflected in a way of life. Christ's followers are expected to build into their lives the characteristics manifested by Himself, and thus develop a character worthy of perpetuation in the nature in a nature of, demo, of divine, immortal glory. And this is summed up in the familiar statement of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 5 and verse 5, which we read before. The meek shall inherit the earth. You know, in quoting this, in stating this, the Lord quoted from Psalm 37 verse 11 that you've probably got in front of you there and provides confirmation that the promises contained in that psalm relate to a future everlasting inheritance for the righteous on the earth. The manifestation of a scriptural meekness will ensure us participation in the divine takeover of the future. It was the meek that the Lord preached the gospel. For God had promised to beautify the meek with salvation. Psalm 149 verse 4. He further declared that he will lift up the meek but will cast the wicked to the ground. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ was a man who was meek beyond all others. The man Moses was also described as the meekest of all men. Well, what does God require of us if we are to be part of this coming reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth? It requires an understanding and belief in the gospel message as we have on the screen here. He that believeth and is
1: baptised shall be saved. We do
0: identify with Christ through baptism for the remission of sins and to continue in those things for our own well-doing. A person prepared to do that will make the most profitable investment possible in any undertaking, one that will provide for complete
1: security, not only today, but for eternity.
0: But how few are prepared to act thus? Popular opinion, personal bias, uh, bias, complete indifference are some of the evils that blind men to the requirements of God and prevent them entering the ranks of the meek who ultimately will inherit the earth. You see, what is required is a sacrifice of self. The Lord Jesus Christ taught, as 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 we've mentioned before, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. If we claim to believe Christ, we have a responsibility to also believe Christ and accept his teaching as true. The irrefutable fulfilment of Bible prophecy in our day witnesses to the fact and testifies that Christ is at the door. The time is at hand when the meek will inherit the earth. They don't today, and that's a challenge to the faith of those who wish to believe the Bible. Frankly, the world disbelieves the teaching of men. Men do not think that the meek will ever inherit the earth. They see the self-assertive, the proud, the godless succeeding. And so they turn from such statements of the Lord and deny he will return and reign on the earth. But God has the power to suppress, and he will suppress self-assertive man and establish his way on earth. But it will be in his own time. He will send Christ for that purpose. This divine reign of Christ will be for the benefit of all, and particularly for Christ's followers. The Apostle Peter taught in Acts 3, verse 19 to 21, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Peter taught of personal salvation at Christ's coming, of a time of refreshing and of restoration, that shall follow his presence in the earth. Christ will bring that all to pass, though the world will resist him at first. It will be purged of the dross that's in the world by the fires of Armageddon and by God's judgments on the on the earth, and the new order will take over the old. Thus, the times of refreshing will replace the evil, frustrating times of man's rule. Christ's government will be set up in Jerusalem. And his laws will issue forth from there for the guidance of all that will result in vast changes for the better. The result will be one king, one empire, one et- a religion for eternity. Micah 4, verse 2 to 3. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Just think of that. They'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. No more weapons of war produced. Rather, it will be agricultural based. At that time, the truly meek will be recognised as the strong and will comprise the aristocracy of Christ's kingdom. Having sacrificed self to the glory of God in this current time,
1: they will be honoured by him.
0: Surely the statement, the meek shall inherit the earth, satisfies the principle of justice and equality, equity. Should not self sacrifice and righteousness be rewarded? It is not to the honor of the Creator that the proud, the boaster, the ruthless, the godless should forever dominate the earth. He only tolerates this state of things for now. But the followers of Christ will have opportunity to demonstrate their unswerving loyalty in these times of evil and in such an environment that their characters may be perfected for that time when Christ will return to reign over the earth. Possessing an understanding of the divine purpose, they are provided with the incentive to do that. For every man that hath this hope in him purifieth him himself even as he is pure as the apostle john records in first john 3 verse 3 god's promise is that all the earth shall be filled with his glory and christ revealed that glory as an individual two thousand years ago his followers will do so as a immunity when they are uh, resurrected and or glorified at his coming and finally The thousand years reign of Christ will consummate to a perfect world being delivered up to God, that he might be all and in all and his glory might entirely fill the
1: earth. For that purpose, Christ is coming
0: to take over the rule and authority of man. But we should be thankful to God that it is possible for whosoever will to take hold of the saving message of Christ in anticipation of this and of sharing the benefits on the earth. Nothing is lost by doing so even now. As we saw when the Apostle Paul stated, Godliness has promise in this life that now is and that which is to come. You know, this world really offers very little of real happiness. In spite of any material prosperity and affluence that there is, its concentration is on business, sport and pleasure is only a form of escapism and soon wanes. Where's the sport and where's the pleasure at the moment being stuck in our houses? The truly happy person is the only one who has learned to sacrifice himself and lives with a clear objective in mind. The way of the salvation of Christ offers such an objective and provides a means of satisfying one's personal ambition, as well as helping others to that end. You know, a person loses nothing of real value by sacrificing the pleasures of this world for Christ, by accepting his teaching and applying its principles. Indeed, he experiences a peace that passeth the understanding of man a peace that this world can never offer, and is enabled to live in a confidence of the assurance of the future. We urge you to look into the scriptures, to examine those things. It costs nothing to do so. It can direct you to the wisest and most profitable investment that can come, that can possibly be made in this age. An investment that is in- assured. Look at the investments most of us have in the world today. They've headed south at a rate of knots. But this investment that is promised, this return that the scriptures can give, is guaranteed. The divine takeover of the affairs of man is at hand, and a rich reward, a rich dividend, awaits those who have the wisdom to sacrifice present advantage in order to reap the rewards that will be distributed to such in the day of Christ's coming. The earthly directors of World's Affairs today and the nor their shareholders will be able to prevent this control being taken from them. And the Lord Jesus Christ will assume the title of King of Kings and Lord of Lords in the universal empire he will ultimately establish. Ladies and gentlemen, we urge you to have a look at what the Bible says, to consider these things for your own eternal well-being. Because the message of the Bible is that only true hope that we can have in this world. And as such, we the Christadelphians will be happy to assist you to understand it and its message of hope, should you so desire. We thank you for your time.